Well, that was a crazy last month. So what's happened? A5 gone, TT almost gone, Porsche 924 locked up and hidden in a garage, 911 still broken. It's another witty 924. So welcome back everyone, we are on the home stretch towards the jingle jangle of Christmas bells, oh yeah. <laughs> and, well, it's the third day into December and we've already had three days of snow. Don't know if any of you have been out there swinging the donuts around with the rear wheel drive cars. I haven't. <laughs> but uh, no, it's all good, isn't it? It's all good as long as you wear the hat and scarf and you keep, uh, well, nice and warm. That's the way to do it, but... Uh, what a busy month that's been. I should have been much better at trying to get a few more episodes out and I had all the good intent to do it, but it just didn't materialise. So where are we today? Well, the A5, the Cabriolet that I had from new from 2012 is gone. Yes, it's moved on. It's found a new home, a new owner. Great, uh, great guy actually drove down for a couple of hours drive I believe to uh, come down and see it and yeah fell in love with it and off it went it uh, I have to say it was a great example not that um, I'm gonna boast my own car but it was a little cracker to be fair I mean it had the best color combination the black hood with uh, the white body it had uh, yeah the bigger wheels that I added from new so the 20 inch low profiles sports suspension tinted windows just slightly just to give it that nice edge it's almost like the the cover shot of any sort of new car launch where they have those sort of slight tinted windows so they almost look completely dark but when you approach then they're actually more of a smoky finish than a than a dark finish so but in the photos they look great and that's that's what I went for so the A5 is gone new home on to Audi number two the TT and that one is still here it's almost gone as I said but there has been a few things that I've needed to sort out just to make sure that the car's ready to go so if you've been following the story with my TT project it was really a short-term project six to seven months long most of it was completed and then we got into what happens in the UK when you're trying to sell a used car is the sort of, I guess, the cut-off period where people are very interested in the car and not so interested in the car. And that generally is determined by the MOT and how much of the MOT is left on the car. So we all know that when it comes to sort of crunch time MOT, most people, you know, cross fingers, cross legs and hope that their car gets through an MOT relatively unscathed without facing a hefty bill. So with my TT, hit the line of no return, meaning that when I put my car up for sale, it had less than six months MOT on it. And that generally, for most people, bears a, a sort of warning sign because they know that they won't have too much time with the car before it has to go for an MOT and thus face potentially a, a hefty bill. Now, when you look at the advert, I've done a huge amount of work to the car. The previous MOT had a lot of work done to the car. So a lot of the new stuff that's been put on the car has alleviated a lot of the, I guess, typical running, typical sort of ownership issues that you have with TT. So oil leaks, 
suspension brakes, all of the usual bits and pieces have all been replaced. So from that perspective, it's relatively a good car. So if you know what you're looking at when you go and look at a used car, you would sort of look at it and say, okay, it's probably fit for the next MOT. But as you know, most people don't want that hassle and just want a car that when they go to see it, it's probably got 12, 11, maybe 10 months of MOT. They can get in it and drive for the next year and not really have to worry about it. So that's the sort of dilemma I'm with on the TT. And thus, a lot of the conversations of those that have been interested have all said, if it had 12 months, I probably would come and buy it. Now, that means I've just been using it as almost a daily and uh, just ticking along. And last week, put it in for its MOT and it failed. (laughs) Yeah, it did. It failed. And You know, you sort of have the dreaded worry, even though you might be able to do a lot of the work yourself, you think, oh, okay, what did it fail on? To be fair, it actually didn't fail on too much. It was one of the CV boots that uh, had popped off, bizarrely. It had brand new CV boots for the last MOT. It's a typical weak spot again on uh, the TT. So when I looked at it, jacked the car up, wheel off, had a look at, uh, it was the left-hand side, passenger side, had a look, and actually what had happened is the clips, for some reason, just either hadn't been done up tightly enough, and uh, the boot had slid off, and then all of the CV joint grease had uh, flown out. So one of the telltale signs, and you know, you might not necessarily look at your wheels in this much detail, but if you do see lots of sort of tar-like I guess, material on the inside of your alloy wheels. And you probably think, okay, I've driven on some tarmac, whatever it might be. It it generally is that your CV boot has failed. Either it's split or it's fallen off or for whatever reason, the clips, in my case, weren't tightened up enough and it just worked its its way loose. So when you come to refit these, the, the typical clips that are supplied with CV uh, boots tend to have a tool that's required because that tool really is there to help the clips, which are called stretch clips, tighten right down and make sure the boot isn't uh, gonna go anywhere. But in, in the case of just making sure the boot is secure, you know, good, strong cable ties will do the job as well. And those cable ties can be, you know, pretty decent plastic and also you can find them in metal. So again, those are two commonly used alternatives to make sure that your CV boots don't go anywhere and then when you're tightening down the boot also on the shaft drive shaft itself you can use a you know a a well-to-do jubilee clip as well so there's a couple of options there that uh, ultimately make sure that the boots don't go flying around everywhere now that's what I've done with mine so they're all tightened up repack the grease it's only just happened it bizarrely I noticed it probably a few weeks ago on the inside of the wheel and thought okay um Maybe we've just driven over something, didn't really put two and two together until the MOT and I thought, ah, should have been a telltale sign. Listen to your own advice. Anyway, <laughs> with that said, um, that, that work has been done. The other one, the other failure was, a, again, a simple failure and generally, again, a common issue on, I think, main, mainly Audi and VW cars anyway. It's the uh, the brake switch. So... When you look underneath the dash, at the top of the brake pedal, uh, where it pivots, there is a switch that ultimately clicks your brake lights on as you push it. So 
that is a is a common failure where if you are not getting any type of brake light, your your rear high vis light, all of that isn't working at all, then it definitely will point straight to the brake switch. Now you can check the fuses as well. The fuse might have blown, but it generally and most commonly is the switch itself. They are somewhere between ten and fifteen quid, so not not too expensive. The thing is that. Um, to get to it, you do have to remove the bottom part of the dash on a TT, which isn't too bad to be fair. It's four or five bolts on the right-hand side of the dash itself. So you pop off the little cover, you've got your fuse box there. There's four, I think, uh, they're, they're like uh, star-shaped uh, bolt heads, and uh, there's about four or five of them that you have to remove there. Then there's one in the little cubby hole just onto the right-hand side of the steering wheel, and then on the left-hand side, there's another one and then it's two clips you sort of have to pull the dash out and down and uh, and then slide it out because it it slides into a groove at the back of the dash as well so it's all all nicely packaged but uh, once you remove the bottom piece you will see very clearly the switch is there for you to remove the easy simple thing is you just rotate it like 90 degrees to the left so you literally turn the switch and the whole unit will swivel and pop out and then when you pop it out you literally take out the the connector the electrical connector and that's it is as simple as that there's no there's no need for adjustments or holding brake pedals down and all that there's a whole bunch on the forums about this but literally you take the switch the new switch plug it in put it in twist 90 degrees it's locked ready to go and uh, all is good interestingly when i took my dash out got the switch out it felt a little stiff for some reason. Um, so I just, I cleaned it up a little bit. It was very dusty. You can imagine underneath the dash anyway. Uh, if it's been there for 20 years, most likely has, then, you know, it picks up a lot of dirt and dust over the years. I gave it a bit of a clean, just made sure that the the push mechanism was working correctly. Plugged it back in just to double take to make sure that you know, it was the switch and the lights started working again. So I was like, oh, great. <laughs> so I had a spare switch, which I'll take back for a refund. But uh, yeah, just sometimes these things just need a good clean. Um, certainly with my Porsche 924 and those of you out there with those types of cars, you know that a lot of the trouble gremlins that you tend to get through electrical systems is, is simply a, a matter of cleaning everything up. Um, things sit there for years they do get that sort of light corrosion around them. So making sure you take the time every year or two to undo things, clean them up, give them a good bit of electrical grease and so on, whack them all back together and jobs are good on usually. So yeah, that was it. So those were the two failure points. And uh, yeah, from anyone really who was considering buying the car, it really wasn't going to be a, a hefty bill. One of the, um, the other, I guess niggly things with the TT just in terms of MOT failure and I think this is probably more common for those cars in and around the early noughties uh, maybe up to sort of 2010 they tended to come with quite high CO2 emissions and everything on the engine has got to be working really well and if it isn't the, your, your emissions will very quickly snap outside of the the legal requirements for the test so it, it's something that certainly on the vw group engines things like vacuum hoses and again i think it's for most cars around this sort of period of time anyway but vacuum hoses 
if you've got leaks, it will change the running performance of your engine and your ECU and all of that good stuff will throw in a bit more fuel to counterbalance and things like rough idling and all that are sort of telltale signs. I, I know it could be a host of other things, you know, but generally if you've got a vacuum leak, that can be one of the main causes of why your emissions will suddenly, you know, go straight out of uh, spec and uh, you get that, that horrible uh, fail when you get back there and uh, they say emissions. Now, again, these these sort of things can be easy to overcome if you sort of know what you're looking for and uh, you, you generally know which vacuum lines tend to fail rather than others and... There's a whole bunch of good stuff out there on forums for all sorts of cars, certainly that are in this sort of 10, 15, 20 year age bracket. So lots of people are working on them. Lots of people give great advice and you know, helps you track down any known issues that are common to your particular model of car. Uh, also, math sensors, again, a big thing. Generally, there's there's lots of good advice about how you test these things, You know, unplugging them and if your engine changes, you know, you, you generally find uh, issues there that uh, can be quickly solved by adding a new math, which is, uh, you know, a nice, simple and easy fit, usually sits just after your airbox. So that is uh, a, another common fault that is quickly resolved. Other things generally from cars of this age, coil packs, spark plugs, these sort of things, again, if they they are not performing to their best can can cause all sorts of different issues in terms of emissions so it's a it's a good thing just to i think before you do a test if if you've got a few tools clean up your spark plugs make sure everything's plugged in give your math sensor a clean always helps make sure your air box is uh, and your air filter is in good condition and uh, also there's some really good chemical agents that you can put into your fuel now that uh, really do help with the the cleaning of your car and the emissions overall now maybe it's a bit of placebo i think some will aid and uh, a top tip before you go to an mot is make sure your car's nice and warm i think that certainly for the older cars does help in terms of the emissions so making sure the catalytic converters are up to a certain temperature and all of that so if you've got an mot take the car for a nice sort of you know at least five to ten mile drive before you leave it at the mot center and you know if you have to turn up sort of 15 minutes earlier just as you pull in leave the engine running for a, a few minutes before you turn it off and then get the keys over to them and off they go it it generally helps with the whole output of emission readings so hopefully keeps you in spec and you get that lovely tick in the box to say pass Anyway, so that's where we are with the TT. That's going to go in for its retest next week. I think um, overall, once the 12 months is on, we'll have a flurry of people that are then interested in buying it. You know, there has been no shortage of interest in the car. That's for sure. I think uh, TTs in general tend to have a a, a pretty decent following, certainly in the UK. There's a lot of uh, good examples that... uh, you can uh, see out there there's also a lot of bad examples so make sure that if you are looking for one that uh, you research a lot of the common known uh, problems because if it's not something you can do yourself they can add up pretty quickly and uh, you know it's just a little bit of a painful build to to foot so yeah i expect the tt to be gone soon so i will be audi-less that's right for the first time in many years i will have no audis but fear not i still have my faithful porsches which uh well really are distant relatives maybe closer cousins of audi 
they certainly share a lot of similarities these days, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Although if I open the uh, bonnet of my 924, which was, what, 36 years old now? Uh, again, lots of little four rings dotted around the engine bay and so on. So, hey, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, where are we with the Porsche? Well, look, the, the 924 is hibernating right now. It has... You know, gone through its MOT, uh, which was oh six, seven weeks ago now, and uh, I have a few items that I have to just address that were listed as advisories on the MOT. The first one being the front wheel bearing on the driver's side, so the offside. Now, there is an adjustment you actually do with these; they can be a bit fiddly. There is a washer that sits between the bearing and the outer castle nut and when you tighten this down you can tighten it in a way that allows you to slightly adjust the play in the wheel itself so it might just be that it needs adjusting it it's been there for the last two MOTs so I'm going to take that one off and uh, give it a quick once over if it is the bearing itself and it has started to to fail then no problem as I have a full kit ready to go on uh, when i bought the the new front brake discs i also bought the front bearing kits because they sit within the hub of the the disc itself so it just made sense to get it all so i'll check it all out i mean everything is driving a you know straight and true on the car so it, it's not something that you feel wobbling in your hands or under pressure when you're going around corners and so on so it, it's a very slight play but uh, i'll have a look if i can adjust it if not then uh, we'll fit the whole new kit that uh, also leads on to the rear brakes and I have uh, a rear brake adjustment that I need to make on the, I think it's the near side, so the pavement side, passenger side of the car for us in the UK and I think this is just going to really be a clean up because all the rear brake system is new so I, I got the whole new mechanism, the springs all renewed did the cylinders, uh, also the, the shoes, and also the drums themselves. So everything's new back there. Apparently it's fluctuating. So that could mean there's a slight bit of warping. I need to just double check or just have a look if I need to make any slight adjustments on the springs and the setup of where the, the shoes meet uh, the outer drums. So yeah, we'll have a look at that. The thing with the rear brakes themselves as well is if this is a job you're wanting to, to do yourself at home, there are sort of the dreaded stories out there of the castle nut. It's one of the, the few bolts or nuts on the on the 924 that are, are talked to a, a very high spec. So you'll hear horror stories of, you know, people putting wrenches on these nuts. It's a castle nut, 32 mil with a split pin through it. Get the split pin out, put the 32 mil on it. And, you know, you hear people putting, you know, well, firstly, breaking breaker bars, uh, like their matchsticks, and then secondly, you know, standing on scaffolding tubes and all sorts. So it's it's a tough nut to crack, uh, That that's for sure. But one way that um, I overcame this was to use a hammer spanner, if that makes sense. It's sort of where it's a, it's a full circle, so it's not a half-cut spanner that sits right over the actual nut itself. And then it extends out to have uh, an end which is solid metal and allows you to hammer to your heart's content. So 
The good thing about this is you don't need massive breaker bars. You don't need to stand on scaffolding poles and all of that good stuff. You literally just need space, get a large persuader. And it's actually really surprising how nice and smooth that nut starts to undo in that way. So highly recommend it. I'll leave a link down in the description for that particular tool. Again, low cost, 15 to 20 quid, and it will help you and save you a whole bunch of painful time if you're trying to undo the drum castle nut at the back of your rear axle. So again, 32 mil hammer spanner, that's the tool to use. So I will um, get those brakes all done and dusted. Those were the only two advisories that I actually had on the car. Everything else was really uh, top notch. So. All of that work and effort that I've put into the car over the years has paid off. So, yeah, that's a, that's a nice feeling. And uh, these are just sort of the the winter jobs. Uh, just on that point in winter jobs, I do, um, yeah, I do want to just have a look uh, at some of the bits and pieces around the car. Just make sure that everything is uh, yeah, going to gonna be okay as, uh, as you come into the springtime. So just the general maintenance, I might do uh, another oil change, although the oil looks so clean, it's insane. Um, it does help when you've had the bottom of the engine off, I guess, and you get all those things good and uh, tidy when you put it all back together. So might do the oil change uh, equally, just any sort of small adjustments and cleanups, as I said, with the electrical stuff, just to make sure everything is running and greased and uh, yeah, operating as it should. I think... Uh, Overall, I don't really need to worry about too much on the 924. It really is, uh, yeah, all said and done, as they say. <laughs> that uh, being said, onto its bigger brother, my 911, I do need to tackle the job of the spark plugs and the coil packs and generally any type of maintenance around the back end of the car while I've got uh, the bumper, the wheel liners off, the rear wheels off, the intercoolers, all of that good stuff. So I'll just look to see if there's any bits and pieces that um, are worth just adding while uh, everything is uh, away from the car because that's a good chance to see anything that might have been you know, slightly rusted out and stuff. Again, on the MOT for that one, it didn't... Uh, have anything other than two advisories bizarrely for the front struts saying that they were lightly corroded yeah not too sure what that really means but <laughs> lightly corroded it sits inside in a nice warm garage so who knows what that means anyway have you seen the news porsche have only gone and done it that's right they've gone and turned the 718 cayman into a powerhouse beastie Oh yeah, it is something to behold. If you haven't clasped your eyes on it just yet, then please do. You will not be disappointed. They really have pulled out all the stops. And I think it's sort of the final swan song, isn't it? Of the the combustion engine that's happening all around us, really. And uh, this, this model here that Porsche have done really does... Uh, almost play testament to that, I think. it's It really is a, a superb send-off I think for the final iteration I guess of what the Cayman can be and the RS team the RS development team have got their hands on it and turned it into something that truly looks uh, magnificent I think the numbers speak for themselves you know that that uh, that trade-off of low entry 911 and sort of the top end Cayman 
was always engineered in a way that they never really crossed over and you know Porsche were very particular in that and I think now sort of the gloves are off aren't they they're like whatever throw it at it make it something because we may never ever get to to do this again with the electrification coming at us at great speed so this car yeah it really does turn up the the volume to to 11 it's got all the numbers as you would expect from anything from the rs department of porsche you know we're just just over three seconds 0 to 60 or 3.2 to 62 if you want to be more precise so it shaves you know off uh, half a second off the current gt4 it's got uh, a top speed of just shy of 200 it's 30 millimeter lower and it's it, you know extremely track focused with all the adjustable stuff that you expect from the rs uh, team and yeah when you look at it it really does look the part and it's and it's something that from my perspective has all the right ingredients we we know the 911 has inherently been engineered knowing that the engine way out there on the back was always possibly the worst place to put the engine, yeah? And, uh, you know, I'm a fan of Porsche, but they were sticklers to keeping it out there, and so they did. But, you know, 50, 60 odd years of engineering has proved that they can have the engine out there, and they've got a product to, to prove it. The Cayman, on the other hand, sort of started life with all the right ingredients in the right place. So two-seater sports car engine just behind the two seats so mid-engined the wheels as far in the corners as possible so again you've got all the ingredients and then you put all of the knowledge the know-how and the experience of racing and development of porsche from their gt and their rs departments into that product and wow what a product you have and uh it's, it's going to be another sort of dash to the finish on this one because all units, no doubt, have gone. Those that get them will, you know, horribly and potentially flip them if they're not really customers that truly want the car, you know, so they want to make quick profit. We know with the GT and the RS uh, products, they tend to suddenly get flipped quickly and command, you know, huge values on top of the, the list price. So... I fear that this one will go the same, but it really is the final swan song for this uh, particular model of the, the Cayman with the combustion engine, with all things that are great from yeah the GT and RS departments. So if you haven't seen it, you know, just have a look at some of the, the stories out there, the videos. It really does look the part. It sounds the part and it obviously delivers the numbers to validate all of it. So a great car and no doubt a future classic. So with that, I'd like to say thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. I will squeeze in another episode just before Christmas, and there's a few other bits and pieces I want to go through and potentially some new projects for next year. So with that, again, thanks for the support, and I will speak to you in a week or two.